Hello, welcome to Work, Rest, Slay, the podcast for the Image Business Club, where we chat to Ireland's most interesting business leaders in the hope that we can learn from and through their experiences. My name is Melanie Morris and I'm contributing editor at Image Media. So, I hope 2022 is treating you well so far and that the new year gave you a little bit of time to reboot and some fresh energy and perspective for plenty of success in all that's ahead. And it's this energy, actually, that is particularly in my mind as I introduce our guest on today's podcast, a woman who always lifts me and gives me a huge infusion of motivation and mojo when I'm in her company. Joining the single name club like Madonna, Cher and Rihanna, jewellery designer Chupi is gifted in so many spheres, obviously as a creative, um, but equally as a businesswoman and a really super communicator who seems to have the skill, the time, the consistency and all of that aforementioned energy for everything. And basically, I want to know how she does it and I want to share that with you. Before we delve in, can I mention this podcast is sponsored by One Nutrition, an Irish brand that makes good nutrition easy with a range of supplements to support the demands of daily life. One Nutrition will only ever use ethically sourced, premium, pure ingredients, all of which come with certified quality assurance. Find their colourful and sustainable packs on shelves in your local health store or in pharmacies nationwide and check out One Nutrition on Instagram at WeAreOneNutrition. Can I also mention the Image Business Club is growing and going live in 2022, which is really, really exciting news for us. We've so many great events and initiatives planned for the year ahead, along with exclusive member benefits. If you're not already involved with the club, you can find out more at image.ie. Finally, and before we start, um, and as we approach actually the first birthday of this podcast, um, it'd be so hugely appreciated if you'd hit subscribe, rate us, and if you had a moment, leave a review. But now let's get down to business. Chupi, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my absolute pleasure, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. You know, it's so strange because it's one of those pandemic things. Mm. I think for most of my time in Image, we would have run into each other on average, maybe once a month. Honestly, just that lovely human interaction. Remember it. Mm. And now it's been ages. So it's great. Uh, It's great to see you and it's great to hear you. And from what I can see, the business has literally been going from strength to strength in the last few years. Ed Chupi has been doing beautiful things. We're nearly 65 people on the team. Still, you know, still there's nearly 70 countries. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, a big, giant machine. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm so proud of it. We've got the most phenomenal team and the most phenomenal customers. It was an interesting time to be in. We're in the business of hope in diamonds. You mark people's darkest days and people's happiest moments. And so it's been a really roller coaster being with our community throughout the last two years, but also an honor. It's been amazing. Can I ask, in in the last two years, in pandemic times, what have people been buying? Oh, well, actually, what's been really wild is um, how love has still flourished. So engagements have gone through the roof. We tripled our engagement sales. And I think that was so much about deciding to say yes, to choose. You know, there were so many choices taken out of our hands over the last few years. Mm. Some of them had to be. And by saying yes, by falling in love, by saying we're getting married, it was believing in hope. 
you know, I think about the Roaring Twenties coming after one of the great pandemics of the 20th century. And I think that's for us, that hope that we're going to, I'm going to choose myself, I'm going to choose love, I'm going to choose hope. And that's been an amazing thing to be part of. And then weddings. We had such fun. So, so much of what we do is about engagement and wedding. And yeah. we thought when the pandemic hit, okay, all of our weddings are going to pause. They're all going to hold tight. Actually, what we've seen is a huge rush of our brides and grooms to get married during the pandemic so that they could have the wedding they chose rather than having the wedding their mum chose or their yeah. mother-in-law chose. And so, yeah, it's been really good fun. And so therefore, have people been putting maybe a little bit more cash into the keepsake and the jewellery as opposed to the party favours and the... <laughs> I think so, my God. If we saw the death of the party favour, wouldn't it be a good thing? Good thing for the planet, good thing for all of us. And it's funny, I always think about that on your wedding day. You you finish the day and you've got your got your marriage certificate and your piece of jewelry and all of the other things and your photographs and I'm always mm. saying those are the things spend your time and money on those things because it's what you remember so yes mm. I think for for a lot of people they've been spending not even more money but more time more consideration more energy on the thing on what they're going to wear for the rest of their life and then I think equally actually we've seen a huge change in divorce rings quite a lot of people Ooh, come tell yeah me about these. it's an absolutely fascinating category so that's why I would say we're in the business of hope not love because hope is dark days and good days and so women coming into us I, you know they're saying the divorce rate is going to go through the roof after all of us having locked in our houses with our people being like is this if this is my one precious life is this how I want to spend it and so I've had amazing I did a gorgeous one just a few weeks ago I happened to be in the store of this amazing woman who had you know come to the realization that their marriage wasn't going to work had a, a gorgeous little family but just knew that it wasn't the right decision the two of them had made it had put her rings away but felt naked she wanted something to celebrate herself and that she was following her own path and choosing her own life and so she bought an absolutely gorgeous diamond eternity ring as a way of being so when she's older her daughter's older that she can pass it on to her daughter as a way of saying yeah this is I chose I chose me I chose you I chose us I didn't cho choose to stay unhappy yeah, that's that's really, really lovely. Um, gosh, well, I suppose let's let's go back to the beginning, Chupi, because I'm sure lots of people know about bits of your life. But um, could you tell us a little bit about the, the household you grew up in? Because it was not ordinary. It was fairly special. Um, well, uh, like everyone, I think my mum is the greatest. So <laughs> I feel like there's I'm a cliche there, but my mum is pretty amazing. So my mum was one of the founding members of the Irish women's movement, the Irish women's liberation movement, let's be clear. And they uh, wrote an amazing document called Chains or Change. And mum is unbelievably proud. So it was a statement in the 70s about um, the place of women in Ireland. And it's kept in the National Museum right beside the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> not, not beside the Constitution, <laughs> beside the Communist Manifesto. And it talked about things like rape within marriage was legal until the 90s. Contraception was legal until the 80s. And so mum and her, her friends, her comrades went out to yeah. change the world and so I was brought up in a household that believed in better a better tomorrow believed in fighting I'm still 100% waiting for the day I have to be mum's alibi when she goes and burns down the doll I you know she's out <laughs> at the moment protesting about the national maternity hospital and the fact that the catholic church still still are involved in women's yeah. healthcare, in women's bodies, in women's reproductive rights. So yeah, I was definitely brought up with my brother in a, yeah, a, by a mum who believed in a better world. And I think that was a real gift. So do you think you absorbed lots of really, really good 
positive affirmations from her. Absolutely. I think she gave uh, mum gave Luke and I a really strong belief in better. And a belief that you should do things with your whole heart. You know, that our job is to go and change the world and build, like, you know, my route was business. I chose, I think business can be such a powerful force for good, chupy. Mm. You know, we are all recycled gold. We've moved to 80% recycled diamonds. We are making huge changes in the way you think of fine and precious jewelry. And I think of that, like, you know, founding member of the women's movement, my mum, this force of nature who's still in her 70s is, you know, going out to burn down buildings and try and change the world so those beliefs in in better but I think also and it's the greatest gift because it's the one that I hope I will give my daughter is the belief that you can be anything you want to be uh, and you know not in a, a corny Pinterest quote level but that there are you know someone goes and walks on the moon someone goes and changes the world someone writes the book someone tells the story someone sings the song and why can't it be you and mum did an amazing job of supporting and encouraging Luke and I where we were happiest, where we excelled. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, she never taught me, you know, she didn't tell me I could be a singer because I can't sing. I'm truly shocking. It mm-hmm. wasn't about um, it wasn't about kind of fueling our egos, but about encouraging our loves and our helping us follow our dreams. I th- I, I've always said, I, I think if she told me if I said I wanted to be an astronaut, she would have taken me to the library and gotten the books. Well, funnily enough, I was about to say what a great launch pad in life, because I mean, literally that spurred you off. Tell me about your first commercial endeavor, because this is where I heard about you and your brother first. Well, I I think that that is homeschooling. So I was very unwell when I was little. So I couldn't go to school. It had a compromised immune system. And so my mum chose to homeschool us as the only option. And um, so then we used to cook loads. I just seemed really normal. You know, you do cook, you know, cook an amazing meal, cook dinner, learn to bake. And then we started writing recipes, Luke and I. And mum, being this incredibly supportive mum, was like, oh, guys, you should write a book. I don't know what mum says to their, we would have been about 14 and 11 when mum first said that. And so we, we didn't know that it wasn't possible. I didn't know children didn't write books and teenagers never wrote cookbooks. So we wrote a book and we brought it into a wonderful editor in then Gillian Macmillan, who were linked to Macmillan in London. And she said, I love it. I'll publish it. So What to Eat, the first and only cookbook I've ever written was published when I was 18 uh, and Luke was 15 and it was wonderful. Uh, A roller coaster experience just as I was, just as I was doing my leaving cert. Um, Am I right? Was it sort of the kind of health foods or wellness foods that we would all eat now, but that would have been deemed (laughs) as being completely mad back in those days? I know we were were terribly hip and on trend with all of our all of our virtuous cooking. Um, But back then, so I said I wasn't terribly well. So I had loads of food allergies and intolerances. So I remember reading cookbooks back then and being I remember one memorable one called Cooking Without. And it was about cooking with kidneys and beans and I was just like I want to eat I want pizza I want chips I want bread I want delicious tasty things so it was called what to eat the full title was what to eat when you can't eat anything and it sold Ireland we sold the UK rights we sold the rights in the US and we still get royalty checks from royalty checks in the US which is just wild um but yeah it was a wonderful experience because um I, we were so young, I think about it now, like released onto national television, these two enthusiastic kids. I was good to say, did you do much PR? We did quite a lot of PR. Around. Yeah, we did loads. And I'm kind of glad I didn't know any better because it was, I think we were probably very adorable looking back and very naive. And But 
it was also Ireland was an amazing place to do it. I can't imagine mm. if we'd, my dad is English, but if we'd grown up in the UK, we couldn't imagine, you know, eating alive on Good Morning Britain. Whereas how lovely Ireland's an amazing, a really supportive place to write a book and ultimately start a business. I was going community. to ask you, who, who do you remember interviewing you in a lovely, positive way? I remember Victoria Mary Clark, who was writing for the Sunday Indo at the time. And she was just so kind and sweet and like this is Shane McGowan's Shane partner. McGowan's wife yeah yeah who subsequently subsequently became a friend um Victoria's a really good friend of mum and mine and she just wrote the loveliest um loveliest piece and did it in the most gentle way that kind of got Luke and I really talking and I was horrendously shy Melanie would you believe <laughs> absolutely <laughs> cripplingly shy as an 18 year old and she really got us talking about what we loved and why we loved food and I remember Darina Allen did an absolutely gorgeous review of our book and I remember that kindness and community mm. a community that could have looked at us as two little upstart teenagers writing a cookbook but instead welcomed us and I still think about I met Darina subsequently a few years later and I just remember thanking her for the yeah. fact that she had built a food community that was so welcoming. Isn't it funny that um, here you are sort of what, maybe 20 years later? 20 years later. Literally, I'm 38 now. So 20 years. And you're still basically in a very similar community. We've all Absolutely. got older. We're all doing maybe slightly different things. Yeah. But the community is still there that that encouraged you. And now, now you know, you've got your, your big business going. But tell me about Chupi version one, because it wasn't jewellery. Am I right? It was not. So um, at the same time as writing the cookbook, my now husband, Brian, so we're together 22 or three years. Um, Brian, that's terrible. I should remember that. But Brian is Brian was like, you have to go to college. You, you, know, you need to go to college. The book is amazing, but you need to go and do your education. Mum would never have been conventional like that. But Brian was like, no, no, you need to go to college. And he was, I was whatever, 17. He was 18. And so I went to do fashion. I was like, what do I really love doing? So I'd had my own little fashion label since I was about 16. Um, and I've always loved making people happy. I like making things that make people happy. And I always think about that as being the difference between designers and artists. So artists create world-changingly beautiful art for themselves, for love, for hate, for joy, for grief. Whereas designers, and I would very much think of myself as a designer, make things that make the world better, that make people happy. That I remember the best description of design I've ever heard is design is creative problem solving. It solves a problem. So the problem we solve at Chupi is you want to tell someone you love them more than anything else in the whole world. You want to give them something that's going to last a lifetime. You want to create an heirloom for the future. That's what we do. We make beautiful diamond rings that solve those problems. And back then, I wanted to make dresses that would make give you fun that you would have a good mm. night out in that you could that would bring joy that were full of color and so I started my little women's wear label went to college and actually my very first um press piece was in image magazine I still have it I'm back at home in Wicklow this is this photograph of me I look so young I'm pre-makeup that's how young I am and um because obviously 17 20 years ago it was younger than 17 today and this gorgeous little write-up by one of your amazing writers back there one of the amazing image writers and I remember thinking that was that was me that was mine I I created that beautiful thing and I think maybe I sold two or three dresses I was blown also, away I remember I remember because you had your your concession in Topshop yes. in Stevens Green and this was boom times so people did want things that made them happy and they were going out dancing a lot and they were going to events and it was Ireland like, it's kind of discovered dressing up 
It was the era of short, short dresses, lipsy and sequins and dresses that barely skimmed your bum that you couldn't bend over in. And it was such good fun. So subsequently, I got scouted by Topshop, went off to work for them. I also have to preface, actually, when I tell my now younger team um, that I worked for Topshop, I'm like, no, when it was cool. I worked for Topshop when it was cool. <laughs> Topshop is now this rather horrendous, cheap concession. Um, but back then it was Kate Moss and Jane Shepherdson, who was the creative director of Habitat, who had moved over and just these incredible women making fashion for women for the first time and that's why it was such an amazing place to work because up so much of fashion is made by men for women that's not a terrible thing but it meant that like little things like those cotton vests came in for the first time and all these yeah so it was an amazing time to work for them I loved it I did six years with a top shop from well I didn't realize you were there that long six years I know bonkers Mm. on the most insane contract of um three week contracts so we were on three-week contracts so you did your targets your we had an independent business that sold the contract exclusively to, for, for top shop and every three weeks your contracts would renew and it was a roller coaster so it meant you had to hit your targets um and what it really taught me was what does what do i love to do you know i love making things that are making people happy it taught me that idea of um taught me about targets and how they matter and measuring success and everyone is different I I think I like that as I got older how we will measure success is very different but we still need to measure it and track it and make sure that it's aligning with what we actually want to do so yeah I loved it but also I reached an end there and knew it was time to leave so what made you move to jewelry um there's a whole bunch of things that came together in a fairy godmother-esque moment um but when I think about the the kind of big moment was Brian proposing. We were 27 and it was in, it was as ridiculously romantic as it could possibly be in Montpellier in the south of France at midnight by the fountain in the, um, and it was gorgeous. He was down in one knee and I remember wearing my ring for the first time and thinking, uh, genuinely the next day, just thinking, I'm going to, I own a piece of the future. One day I'm going to give this to my daughter and she's going to wear it and she's going to give it to her daughter. And it's something that is going to be part of our family for the for, forever. And mm. having, I think, come from fast fashion and very much, there's nothing like working in the belly of the beast and seeing the sales. End of season sale is the saddest moment in any retail experience where you just see racks and racks. Think of the racks of sequins in Zara on Stevens's day yeah. or Boxing Day. And just those racks of unwanted, unloved dresses that you know are going to end up in landfill. And having mm. spent a long, you know, at that point, a significant portion, 10 years of my career, even though I was only a baby at 27. Designing, Large percentage. Yeah. Designing mm. things that were going to end up in landfill. I thought this is magical. I want to, I want to do something that matters. And so I thought, Mm. okay, I'm young enough that I have no responsibilities. We were, um, we'd no babies, we'd no house, no mortgage, none of those things. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to take a crazy risk, now is a good time to do it. And Chupi Jewelry was born. It was. So, um, we, I left Topshop in 2011 and then I spent those subsequent years basically Chupi started really in 2010 with those very few first bits and I think now Kate 
He's one of my business partners. Um, Kate ran the loft market in Paris Court Townhouse, mm. which was this. Do you remember it? Ashlyn Farinella started it, this gorgeous market. Kate ran the loft and I, I, we'd always used it for Topshop as a way of selling our sample dresses. So we'd have beautiful dresses in there, really heavily discounted. And it was a really nice way of, of moving through our, our and trying new samples and that sort of thing. Mm. And I said to Kate, I was like, Kate, I've made a few earrings and a few little necklaces. It's just a nice hobby. I feel like it's something I'm just going to do to get my mind off work. I'd love to trial them. And I remember Kate saying, um, Kate was like, yeah. And she always, she always laughs about it. She always says, yeah, no, that's not going to be a hobby. That's, I don't really believe in hobbies. I'm really, really, I'm really bad at them. I, whatever I do, I'm heart and soul in. And um, yeah, I don't really have a middle gear. So I'm either not all, all in. I have never learned to drive. I, I, um, I look at it every year and look at what it would cost, how much time it would take, how much energy. And uh, yeah, I say no. And so that same way I threw myself into jewellery. So if you think back to your two, and we'll call publishing half, two and a half careers, um, even in those early days, anything that you learned from those days that you've always carried through with you? I think I learned a lot between saying goodbye to my career in fast fashion and starting again um, because I was older and I was so young to start a serious career, Mm. kind of 17, 18 to, excuse me, really go down into the belly of the beast that I learned so much starting again and learned that I thought I was uniquely bad at some things but what it turned out was that actually I'm just very good at some things very awful at other things as are others and I really learned to play to my strengths where do, where am I best I remember very early on in GP starting um, with the jewellery and imagining what a jewellery business would look like looking at three years and thinking about all the departments in the business we'd need this was me at my kitchen mm-hmm. table with my pen and paper um, going, OK, we're going to need production. We're going to need fulfillment. We're going to need finance. I'm working through the things I really wanted to do, the ways I'd be able to contribute to the business and going, OK, I'm not I, I need support here. And really recognizing that it's so powerful, the people you surround yourself with. And if you're growing a business, but equally, if you're managing your career, you know, the people you look to for mentoring, for support, mm. for so the, one of the very first people I hired was a bookkeeper, which sounds very clever. Yeah, but it sounds deeply, you know, like how, you know, I, I can do my books. I can. I'm, I love math. I'm a, a big giant nerd. My dad's an economist. Sister's an economist. Love finance and numbers. But compliance? I was like, no, that's actually something that really needs to be done by someone else. So I would say today that that's one of my proudest achievements is that of our 65 plus people on the team everyone is better at what they do than I am they are exceptional and that each of them have these amazing strengths and I recognize that's my job is is not to I think about as a young jeweler my job was to make beautiful things and now as a CEO of Chupi my job is to bring together brilliant people and enable so them to what flourish. Jobs- what jobs, Chupi, do you delegate? Finance? Some of the finance. So I sit today, my role, I sit in strategy for the business. I still get to design the beautiful things, but I have an amazing, right. we have a product development team that bring them to life. So I get to do the fun bit and the, the bit at the end. So I'm sitting here and no one can see Melanie because uh, obviously it's a podcast, but I'm sitting here with a very, very, very enormous diamond on um, wow, that is just are. getting ready for spring, summer. And um, so I still sit in product. I sit in business strategy and those are and finance and those are essentially um, my roles sitting I am no longer involved in our amazing gold team who take care of all of the beautiful diamonds and the sourcing and the managing I don't sit in logistics I'm not in retail but and marketing 
obviously like one of my great loves is storytelling so I will always be we actually just uh, have a phenomenal new uh, global marketing director has joined us this week so I've had an amazing week with her very excited buzzing and all of the plans we have there but yeah I sit in the business the parts of the business where my strengths are and what do you miss not doing nothing I love everything I do. No, I don't. I don't miss anything about it. Um, I think if I missed it, it would tell me that I would need to go back there and I'd need to make sure I was adding value. So often. So I'm really lucky now I get to do as part of my job. um, I'm involved in going for growth, the female entrepreneurship network, which is just the most amazing group of women. And I now am a mentor on the program. So I was mentored by some phenomenal women through this program, which is mm-hmm. pro- co-funded by Enterprise Ireland and KPMG. And uh, I had Bridget Donahue, the former chairperson of Primark, as one of my mentors, phenomenal woman. And I now get to mentor amazing businesses. And I have had, I'm on my third year doing it. I've had these phenomenal women who are going to change the world, mm-hmm. who are building beautiful technology products, amazing food businesses, incredible range. And the biggest flaw, they've all, biggest challenge they've all encountered is when we think about growing our businesses, we think we want to hire people like us. Mm. No, you don't. You're a pain in the arse. You do not mm. need you on your team. You have enough of you. Where you need to do is hire the gaps, hire the things you can't do and, and hire around that. And I think for all of us, kind of getting out of our own way. So like I, the, I, I love retail. I love being on the floor, being in retail. And I do that for kind of a few days every year. The team will let me onto the floor. They'll like allow me in. But I'm a bit of a hindrance. You know, I'm like, I, it's lovely for a few hours and then everyone's like, bye, Chup, get off, go go away. Get because, out behind your own till. Yeah, we yeah. don't need you here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm just fascinated by people's stories. I have such an mm. amazing time. My final Christmas Eve, I work with Kate and I always work Christmas Eve in the store. Our, we have a store in Paris Court Townhouse in South William Street. And Kate, my final sale was the most gorgeous couple who had, he'd bought the engagement ring in February 2020 and I'd had five failed attempts to propose because he just literally everything that could go wrong could possibly everything that could go wrong went wrong and he'd proposed on the balcony of Paris Court minutes before walking into the store with the ring to get it resized oh brilliant and that was just I was like this is the most amazing way to end my 2021 and so yeah there's bits I love but no in general I'm really lucky one of the amazing things about life is I feel you can design it for yourself there's moments you can't Mm. like look you know I think we have to acknowledge the seasons in all of our lives when there's things we want to change and we can't change them but by and large I think I think my job is to design a life that works for me yeah can I ask you um it must be quite and maybe maybe it's daunting or maybe you don't think about it too much and take a run at it but when you started creating jewelry coming up with the choopy aesthetic was that a studied thing or was it a series of coincidences or what was the creative process about the evolution of your style it's a really good question Melanie I think for me it started out with I've always I think the great struggle for anyone trying to get what's in your head out into the world like you you're baking a cake and you you know see you put the Pinterest perfect picture and you have your vision in your mind and then what comes out Mm. can be slightly less than astounding and I think I've always had the vision of what I wanted to achieve what I wanted to make what I wanted to create whether that was fashion or jewelry or baking and trying to get it into the world and I remember um, I studied under a phenomenal silversmith called Cormac Cuff and Cormac was just amazing as I worked through learning to work in a totally different medium. So moving from working in fabric, 
which is malleable and changeable. And if you make a mistake, you just fix it to gold and silver, which are unbelievably unforgiving and mm. solid. Like It was actually blew my mind trying to take something I wanted to create and and bring that organicness to essentially a lump, a solid perfectly cylindrical block and so I have always been fascinated by imperfect things I think I love the idea that the world isn't perfect and that our designs should reflect that and beauty is imperfect and I think for me the big thing coming into the diamond industry we're here nearly 10 years is um, around the idea that the diamond industry was designed by men for men Perfect diamonds given on perfect moments. Only on the hallmark occasions may you receive a diamond. You get one on your 21st. You get one when you get engaged. You get one when you get married. You get one when you have a baby. And it was an industry designed by men, for men, to mark moments for women. And I thought, well, what does that look like for me as a woman? What does it look like when it's more organic? What does it look like when I'm choosing to mark a moment for myself? So I would actually always start with the story. I don't start. Oh my God, you have me wanting to go out and buy a diamond now. (laughs) (laughs) You need to just, I like spend, I I feel like anyone, if you are worried about the state of the world, you just need to spend a day in our DMs on Instagram or on our email desk and just seeing the like, the passion and power that comes across from the amazing men and women who, who come to us. But for me, it was this thing. I started with the story. So I'm fascinated by why so I think about um, my North Star necklace which is now one of our cult pieces and is Mm -hmm. and was very very early on for me Um, and I I wear mine all the time and for me it was at a point where I felt lost and I felt like I I didn't know had I made the right choices we'd made huge sacrifices Um, you know our friends were getting married and buying homes and we'd I'd managed to convince Brian to instead burn everything to the ground and start again and uh, I have always loved the idea that sailors use oh I've always used the North Star to navigate at night before Google Maps before we knew how to find home we looked up and followed the North Star and I thought Mm. that's a really powerful symbol for me I need a North Star right now and so I made my North Star and so it started with the story and then what that piece was going to be came afterwards and so that aesthetic I still think about those stories today like what do I want I think about some of our key pieces for 21 were around the evil eye and around protection Ooh. and around that idea that you wear an evil eye to ward off um ward off bad spirits and I'm not necessarily a believer in spirits or in fairies or but I love the idea of myth of those myths and of cultural mythology that we take with us for protection and so yeah that's where it all comes from the ring I'm wearing is actually um part of we've got, got a uh, it's a it's going to be the ballerina. It's part of that roaring 20s feeling. Of, this is the new whopper ring. That yeah, you have this on your is the new. It's a, it's a couple of carrots and it's that idea of um, an explosion of joy. Gosh. And tell me, in, in, in evolving the business, um, what is your North Star? What, what do you think of when you're always trying to take a next step or, so, you know, look into uncharted territories? For me, the big one we measure is moments marked. How many moments have we marked? Our North Star metric is moments marked. How many moments have we marked? But the big vision, um, we want to change the world. We want to prove that you can make beautiful things and make them well. That sustainability is not just about what we make, but how we make it, 
what we do afterwards, how we care for our people, how we care for the planet, how we care for the future. And that there's a powerful place for women choosing their own destiny. I think that's our audience. They are following their North Star. And so it's an incredible place to be there our team my team are so ideologically driven we're like we're properly a cult who is really believes in better um and yeah so it's it's a really fun company to wake up for with a mission every day to do better Before we move on to the next section, can I mention that we at Image would like to thank One Nutrition for their sponsorship of Work, Rest, Slay. The One Nutrition plant-based supplement range includes next-generation formulations in superfoods, wellness and immunity to support the demands of daily life. Ask about Irish brand One Nutrition at your local health store or pharmacies nationwide. You can also follow One Nutrition on Instagram at WeAreOneNutrition. Well, throughout um, all the times I've seen you through the years, Chupi, and I mean, I can remember one time seeing you in London on a Friday and seeing you in Kerry on a Saturday. <laughs> and I thought I was mad being in both of those places at the one time. But uh, you've always made it seem so easy and so organic and so flowy, but it doesn't happen without a plan, does it? No, and I think that's my my big one is I meet amazing women with amazing dreams, but a plan you need a plan too. The balance of the two, I think for me and the older I get, the more sure I am that the balance between, and it's, we've started referring to it in Chupi as today and tomorrow, um, as being part of it. So you need the big dream. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? I think one of the most powerful things I've ever done and I continue to do is about every three years, I sit down and I imagine what does happiness, what does three years look like? What does happiness look like? So if we're talking now, you're talking into 2025, where are you? Are you living in Ireland? Are you living in London? Are you in Dubai? And imagining where you live, who do you live with? You know, what does work look like? What does it Mm. feel like? Do you work in a big team? Do you work by yourself writing on top of a mountain? Are you in fact off on the beach every day and really trying to hone in on what happiness looks like? And that's the big dream. And then dialing that back and going, okay, what's the plan? How are we going to get there? So for me, that today, tomorrow piece that we talk about in Chupi is, okay, what's tomorrow? What's the dream? What are we going to achieve? But what does it feel like? What will it feel like when we sell our 100,000th diamond ring? But right now, what are the steps that are going to take us there? What mm. are the things we're going to do today towards that? I almost think about it like as exercise, deeply painful in the moment, deeply boring, but you know it serves the future. You know it's working towards that vision of a happier, healthier, stronger you. But the balance, I, I think as, as human beings, it's easy to live between that balance of going, I'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow, and I'll dream. I often think, I love that one of, you know, that mad lotto um, win recently and everyone was suddenly dreaming about what they wanted to do and then yes I remember a mentor saying to me okay imagine it like what would you do if you won 19 million what would that look like and then um, figure out why those things aren't in your life right now so the things like this big yeah okay probably not buying yachts in the med right now but are there Mm. other changes you would make in a way the pandemic has accelerated that for all of us so many people Mm. have moved out of the city you know that's a change we couldn't have imagined a few years ago and it's such a powerful one as we Mm. define Mm what happiness looks like to us. And also, I think somebody was talking about this recently and I, I, I thought it was a really good way of, in order to look forward, look back. Yes. So take yourself back to three years ago. Three years ago, are you now where 
Are you proud of where you are? Where did you let yourself down? Where did you improve yourself? I love what that. The, what were the wins? And I like the idea of looking backwards to looking forwards because it's quite easy in retrospect to say, God, I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I should have spent more time doing X, Y, Z. So um, it, it, it's, it's quite powerful, this sort of visualization, isn't it? There's an amazing one that I've just, I was just uh, looking at called Year mm. Compass there and I, I was just looking for it and it's really amazing it's literally that manly I'm filling it out at the moment and it asks you to look back on your last year it's completely free it's online if you just google what year did you call it year compass okay. if you just google it completely free and it's a little plan and you can fill it out online or paper pen and paper mm. and you look back at your last year like where did you win what were your big what were your big moments what were your memories what did you and then look forward so it makes you look back first um, and I love it. I'm just in the middle of doing it. And I think it's going to be amazing. But I, I do have to say I'm slightly more nerdy. Um, I have a spreadsheet. <laughs> I have. I mean, for the last spreadsheet. five years, I have kept a every six months. I write down my so I do the big vision. And then every six months, I write down my goals for the six months within sort of like what does career and work look like? What does home look like? What does family look like? And um, it really helped me plan plan what I wanted to do but also equally look when you look back I always feel the end of the year is quite tough you know when you're thinking that you're like all the things I wanted to do and I didn't achieve them and then actually this uh, doc which I've been running for five years now has been this so I've got five years working into six months so the 10 little segments that tells me what I did achieve and reminds mm. me that when I look back and go oh I should have done that three years ago I'm like actually I, I was kind of busy I can see all the other things I did here I really yeah I like it as a way of I think we're not terribly kind to ourselves in general. We're not. And we forget the wins yes. and we dwell on the day we didn't get up early enough or the Honestly. thing we didn't go to or whatever. And it's it's madness. Like it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely crazy, isn't it? Like how hard we are. And like I, I think um, I I, uh, I hold out for Chinese New Year for any resolutions. So my, I'm like, not a, none of this 1st of January nonsense. I, I can't be having with it. So it's Year of the Tiger um, starting soon. And I was like, OK, I, I got back on my rowing machine day before yesterday. I was like, yeah, that seems about right. I gave myself gentle, gentle January. None of this, uh, none of this legging it around the place on on um, on trying to sweat on the first day. But, you know. It doesn't I'm pumping into all the others. Um, tell me, Chupi, when you went from the original Chupi, yes. Ch- Chupi Jewelry version one, yeah. to Chupi Jewelry Diamonds, yeah. solid gold, that must have been a terrifying leap, was it? It was huge. Yeah. So when we st- when I started Chupi, I very much imagined that we would be affordable luxury. We'd be the piece you treat yourself to kind of two or three times a year. And then I, um, as we built Chupi and, you know, it was amazing. We were um, stocked in some gorgeous stores around the world. We were in Macy's. It was lovely. But I really um, came to the realization that actually I'd built a fashion version of jewelry. And that what I really wanted to do, what had made me fall in love with jewelry was this idea of utterly timeless heirlooms mm. of, of intergenerational love of, of pieces that would um, would last forever and that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take from the earth. Something, I ring you by once or twice a year. Our gold, like I was saying earlier, our gold is 100% recycled. We don't take a mm. single thing from the earth to get our gold. And that's such an exciting place to be. And it's harder to do um, if you're in gold-plated sterling silver because that's it's just a little bit more complex. Yeah. So we started the transition in 2016, those very first few solid gold pieces. Um, and it was exciting. I kind of think about what I've done with Chupi and what my team do, uh, we're like mountain climbers. So mm-hmm. we 
look at the peak we scale the peak we argue going up the peak 100% there's lots of arguing mm-hmm. and lots of like is this the right path and are we doing the right thing and we argue and then we get to the top of the peak and we take a moment and we're like hmm, okay next mountain and I think we'd scaled a huge mountain um with Chupi in its first iteration and then for the second one I knew that actually the future and I always think about Chupi as you know what does 50 years of Chupi look like 100 mm. years of Chupi what will what will it look like when those pieces are around in 500 years and or 100 years or 50 years and equally what will the company look like and for me it just felt like the most beautiful fit moving us into diamonds and gold into heirloom rings and yeah terrifying doing it again I I did think my lord I should probably surrender gracefully to not um to not changing the business but I remember at 25 having been in Topshop for four years loved fashion whatever it was like seven years in fashion at that stage um and thinking I loved it but I was never going to do it when I grew up I always knew in fashion. It was a transient thing. 100%. I knew I'd yeah. love it. I knew it was brilliant experience. I didn't know what I'd do. Like that was terrifying. Not knowing what I wanted to do. I find that much more terrifying. Mm. I'm kind of, I'm, I love having a goal. And so when I came to the realization that I had misdirected myself down the path, that I'd walked down the right, I'd walked into the right area, but walked down the wrong road. I was walking down a very beautiful fashion jewellery brand when I wanted an heirloom jewellery brand. And so we had to step back and reassess. And and as a business, you change and evolve. And yeah, terrifying, but also not so much. Because it was so tell me about some of the peaks, some of those amazing moments where you got to the top of a mountain and looked down and just had a look at the view and said, I cannot believe I've achieved it is it a retailer was it a number was it a piece there's some gorgeous moments I remember and it's very early on um in 2015 showing at New York Fashion Week and being in the yellow cab coming down into a bridge into Manhattan and just seeing that skyline and thinking oh my gosh we were here. We're here because of Chupi. We're here because it's growing and gorgeous. And yeah, this is this is everything I wanted it to be. That was amazing. I remember that's always kind of the moment I think, yeah. But I equally, the I think at the end of 2020 as well, there was a huge moment. That was a business. That was a year that challenged us as a business, us as a team, me as a leader, more than any other I've ever been through. And doing the final round of phone calls at the close of 2020 to call my team and say thank you and and there was 35 40 of us at that stage and um 35 and calling everyone to say thank you and just like hearing the relief and the success and the joy in their voices that was just like because I remember those first early weeks of the pandemic in April Mm. 2020 thinking our revenue dropped off a cliff all of the plans we were supposed to be opening in New York in March 21 everything I felt like everything we'd worked on was being stripped away was falling apart Mm. and I'm so conscious that so many people lost their businesses their careers changed so many of my friends you know it was a completely different year to how they expected and our Mm. team had to work so bloody hard in order to protect um, us to make sure we served our community you know we had people booked to fly in from all over the world to book their to get their engagement rings and um, I remember those first weeks like we did a proposal on Instagram for this guy we did the first we did we do virtual appointments now where you can dial in from anywhere in the world and like like a very fancy zoom basically with extra sexy cameras with macro lenses you can look at your diamond and talk to an amazing consultant but back there we literally whatsapp videoed called 
this gorgeous guy in New Zealand on the maddest like I think the call was I don't know it was something ridiculous like 6am to serve him and got him his ring and then did the proposal on Instagram and there was all these mad moments throughout 2020 that just were like bloody hell folks like and then yeah that that wrap-up of 2020 unbelievably proud of them unbelievably proud of us and our community and how we'd served them and how we'd kept everyone safe and then, and then you just went yeah. and doubled it the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we went and kept, well, we kept bloody busy. And I look back on um, 21 as having just, there were some huge moments because so much of the, the things we, so many of the things we'd wanted to do in 2020 had to get shelved. Things we'd wanted to build, like we were just taking our first foray into augmented reality. So Chupi has now launched um, uh, the first iteration of our step into augmented reality, which means for our community who are global can take a picture of their hand and try on any of our rings. You can build your stack. You can take a, you you know, say you have a gorgeous ring already and you're thinking, oh, I kind of want something else for this moment, for this career, Mm. for this promotion, for this moment in my life. We can now do it. And so the next step in that is we're going to have fully moving augmented. That launched. We launched. Have you? Sorry. Have you bought a shop on the metaverse yet? No, I have to say we're flirting <laughs> with it. We have a few <laughs> plans in the way. Um, we have to, yeah, we've got a few plans. It's more towards blockchain than the metaverse. Oh God, but we almighty. are, yeah, well, our job is technology hugely because mm. we serve a global audience. So we make beautiful diamond rings in Ireland and have always made, we made 13,000 pieces here last year, managing 145,000 diamonds and gold and tiny pieces that make those so phenomenal but we are a digital and technology company so yeah there's really exciting things of yeah there were some really beautiful moments in 21. And does your digital and tech area is that worked through Ireland or is that worked internationally or? Everything so we have all we have our whole team are across the UK and Ireland so we have a few in the UK and then the majority here and we do all of our development in-house which is pretty unusual so we've got our full technology team here based here my husband, yeah. Brian, is our CTO. I always tease him and say he was one of my longest hires. I think it took me about eight years to get him into the business. <laughs> so I like, honestly, Melanie, on a standard recruitment retainer, it would have like, I wouldn't have been paid. But um, <laughs> he's been brilliant because he's so passionate about, he started out, you know, did, did um, computer science in uni and then went and worked in uh, customer experience. Uh, first job at a college into a boot and worked in tech computer customer experience. So he's this amazing advocate for the customer's journey, a you know, huge advocate for user experience and, and has worked with some phenomenal businesses. So my te- I was like, come on, Brian, I swear, trust me. And so we work together now and, and it's brilliant and it means that we can do and then Kate, our business partner, um, between the three of us, we, uh, we are all really passionate about what we do. And yeah. then we have a brilliant team. I, we were recently building out our leadership team and I was, um, we've got some, we've an amazing leadership team and I was saying to them, mainly your job is to say no. Kate Brown and I marching off towards the sunset with our amazing Actually, plans. that's a really, really interesting nugget to dwell on for a minute that you do want people to challenge you. Oh, I hire, I hire people only who say no to me. I'm mm. a firm believer. I, I do not, I've never worked with anyone. I No, that's not true. I do work, I have worked with people who say yes to me, but I never hire anyone who says yes to me. I want people who will challenge me who will say what does that look like what does it mean what's success like in that I think it's so important for each of us um to be able to own our success and failure and then to challenge others and ask what does that look like what does it mean for you questioning and I think uh, yeah it's why uh, Kate and Brian are both in Chupi they're such brilliant uh they don't let me away with anything (laughs) they literally they make sure that everything that I do and everything we do is so well thought through and 
Likewise, our leadership team are the same. They're brilliant. I, I was saying our marketing director has only joined this week. And um, just before we jumped on here, she and I are having a big catch up. And she's like, what about this? Why are we doing that? What does that look like? What does it feel like? What does? And that, that's what I want. I, um, I love growing. I think that's um, that's come out of I've done a lot of growth, a lot of leadership uh, training over the over my career and been inspired by some phenomenal women at every age in their 80s and their 70s and their 60s and their 50s and their 40s in their 20s who've each taught me something and made me a better version of myself. So I like to be questioned. Well, let's talk about some of your amazing soft skills that are absolutely pin sharp. Um, networking. Talk to me about networking. What's good networking? God, doesn't it send a chill down your spine? The very word, the idea of walking coldly into a room of canapes and wine glasses and going up to someone and saying, hi, here's my elevator pitch. This is what I mm-hmm. do. But I think um, networking has a terrible name for building community which is what we should actually consider it as women. We're That's much nicer. We're so, we're brilliant at building communities. We are mm. amazing. Think about the communities built around the country, around the world by women. And we've taken this quite formal corporate word, networking, and put it onto community building. Um, so I started out when I was in 2014. I applied for something called, I mentioned earlier, going for growth. And I remember writing my uh, application and I like, I, I keep it. It's adorable. 2014 tube was, um, I was like, you know, it was wild. I was like, we're going to employ seven people, like breathless <laughs> levels of excitement. And back then that felt huge. You know, that mm. was, a, I think it was a three year plan. So 17 to employ seven people. I think we ended up somewhere closer to 30. Uh, 25 30 but um it was an amazing community to join because it's a phenomenal community of like-minded women who are all entrepreneurs who want to go and build something beautiful I still have some of my greatest friends there and that really inspired me with the idea that to seek out community that community it was a real um it taught me to be vulnerable and strong to find the moments for both of those you know there's moments you sh- you know you need to be absolutely fierce on this journey but there are moments also you need to be vulnerable and vulnerable and be like I, I don't know what the step is I don't know what the advice looks like I don't I don't know where I'm going next I don't know how to solve the situation and I think that's what good networking does good community so have you any tips for the person who is there going oh my god I haven't been out for two years I'm terrified about it <laughs> Oh, tell me about it. I'm I'm so I'm not sure I'm ready for in-person networking. Um we were um I was uh, a finalist on the Entrepreneur of the Year program, EY's Entrepreneur of the Year program last year, and it was amazing. And we did uh, an in-person CEO retreat. You know, Dennis O'Brien is part of it. It's literally the oldest old boys club in Ireland. Um, there's a, and they're really focusing on bringing women in, which is amazing. There's some phenomenal win- women on the program now. But it was in-person, hardcore, 14 hours a day, networking, learning um, for, yeah, for f- three or four days. At the end of it, I was like, dear lord I hadn't done that much in-person interaction in a while but I think for for all of us it's figuring out what networks will um will serve you so what network serves you what are you looking for are you looking for community are you looking for growth are you looking to be challenged are you looking for like-minded people there's loads of brilliant networks out there there's going for growth there's the EY entrepreneur of the year program there's growth academy through AIB there's network Ireland I'm part of all of them they've been phenomenal each serves a different purpose there's Mm. um Albright have just come to Ireland they're doing amazing things around women's network I know there's the image business club it's really just figuring out what do you need from it and then also what are you prepared to give so often yeah. we think about networking as being like 
I'll give you my business card. You will give me contact success. And actually, it's about listening. It's about listening to someone else, you know, and seeing how you can support them. There's a, a wonderful, you know, quote that's doing the rounds on social at the moment. That's be the, you know, be, uh, build your community around women who would mention your, room, your name in a room full of opportunities. And I think that's where we need to start from is, OK, ha- what can I give back? And how can I help? And I'm so conscious as well as we talk that, yes, you've entrepreneurs listening, but you've also brilliant intrapreneurs, amazing women in businesses who are changing the world. And likewise, as they think about mentoring, you can reach out to someone like I I get asked all the time and I, I do it and I love it. I don't have enough time to do it, but I do as much as I can. And so reaching out and reaching up, but also reaching down. You know, that that new person who's just started in your company. Can you reach out and offer a listening ear? That's networking. Can you reach mm. out and offer to support them? If you are, if if you can, you, and can you reach up and ask for advice? And what can you offer in exchange? And that can be as simple as, can I take you for lunch? But equally, can it be, you know, can I help you on a project? Can I deliver? And that's, it's the basis of all human interaction is an exchange. And it's it a two-way have, street. Yeah. yeah. You can't expect to come to the party without bringing a gift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that serves us all better. I think about the mentoring relationships I've had, um, both as mentor and mentee. And the ones that bring a smile to my face are the ones where I felt I've given value and yeah. received value in both yeah. in both ways. I've, I've learned as much from the people I've in theory been mentoring um, as the people I've been mentored by. But yeah, value. There has to be a value exchange. What are you going to do and bring there? And start. We know, ask one person a month. It doesn't have to be 20 people. Go to one event a quarter. Just start small. Mm. And then you can do it. Absolutely. Exactly. Now, I was interested to hear you say that um, you were shy starting out in business. Ironically. I'm sure you have always been an articulate communicator, but it is absolutely one of your very valuable skills. Do you get terrified speaking in public? I am utterly and completely terrified every time I have to speak in public. Completely petrified. Really? Yeah, still. I hate it, still. Um, but I do it for that reason. I um, So I had to, um, I mentioned the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme. And so the amazing thing about it is that, you know, I've won lots of gorgeous things over the years, which have been amazing. But one of the amazing things about Entrepreneur of the Year is you win basically a place in a community. So the community is about, it's been going for 22 years. There's about 300 people in the community from, you know, Dennis O'Brien, Mark Roden from Ding, Anne Herity from CPL, these giants of Irish business. And you are then a lifetime membership as part of the community. Mm-hmm. And at the CEO retreat, a lot of the alum- alumni attend. So there are people who've built multi-billion dollar businesses in the room. And those of us who are somewhere at the somewhere in the start some those at the very start of the journey those of us who are a few years into it and I had to stand up and pitch Chupi to a room of let's mainly be honest suited and booted men who um if they knew about diamonds they'd only bought them for their wives they thought d2c which is what we're in direct consumer was a misspelling of b2c and uh (laughs) thought e-commerce was amazon and so I was going terrified I was like what and in two minutes so basically tell them about Chupi and why what we do matters and uh, it was brilliant absolutely scared the pants off me and such good practice because it reminds you that you know communication is different on your audience and I think that's something I had a big learning there around 
how we communicate needs to be different on every channel and every person we communicate to. So one of the exercises, I have my amazing uh, group, new group of mentees this year on um, going for growth. And my the first exercise we we're doing is around elevator pitches. And I think so often we think about them as being a generic thing. You've got like one little 30 second soundbite you tell everyone. And instead, actually, it needs to be, you know, you need to tailor your audience what are you telling people like if I meet people in the park and I'm playing with my daughter I'm not like hi I'm CEO of one of Europe's fastest growing luxury brands I'm like hi my name's Chippy this is my daughter Aya we live around the corner we love this park (laughs) that's my introduction and yeah tailoring it to who you're talking to actually and you know what that is something it's a very easy way to face the communications or the public speaking demon because if you're honing your elevator pitch you're doing it yourself in front of the mirror or not even that and you can come up with maybe three or four different ways to pitch yourself exactly before you unleash yourself on on the public and also like any fear it's not going to magically get better you know it doesn't it doesn't um doesn't fix itself you have to you know you have to get out there you have to practice it practice it it's a muscle yeah so whether that's you know introducing yourself to a stranger or standing standing in a stage in front of thousands it's still yeah still terrifying i suspect it'll always be terrifying i'm afraid Chupi, I could keep you here all day and all night, um, but I know you have many other things to do. But one thing I really want to ask you is um, self-awareness as a, as, as a business owner. Um, how, how do you develop it? How do you know when to stand back from something and let somebody else take over? Wh- where does this come from? I think for me, it's about... I think it's so important to pick your battles. You can't win everything. You can't do everything. Everything cannot be a priority one. And you have to find a way, whatever that looks like for you. Is it, you know, setting out, you know, taking an hour on Sunday evening to plot out your week? Is it taking that time out to plot out your year? It's it's focusing on what does what does success look like to you? But what does it look like to you? Not what does it look like to your mum or your husband Mm. or your wife or your in-laws, but what defining it for you really, really clearly what success looks like for you and then picking your battles because you can't do everything. Um, I know I've heard it described as, uh, I always think actually of my mum, my mum's phrase, which was you can have a happy family or a clean clean home, choose one. And (laughs) I'm a firm believer in that. I'd love a, a beautifully picturesque show house, but I have a really happy daughter. And that's my win. You know, when she hugs me at night, I know the sitting room is upside down and I could have spent that, I could have finished up in work and properly cleaned our whole house from top to bottom or I could accept that our house will be a little chaotic and but our home will be filled with love. And likewise, in our business, I think about the things of going, actually, that's not possible. We want to do that this year. It's huge. It feels so essential. But right now, it's not the priority. We have to do the things. It's the Pareto principle. 20% of what you do delivers 80% of the value. And how do you figure out what that, that percentage is? That's what our, our life's work is figuring out what moves the needle. Yeah. Oh, I like that. What moves the needle. A few very quick fire questions to, to round up with Chupi, if I may. Um, I know that your fingers are always adorned with loads and loads of different pieces, as is your neck and your wrists and your hair and everything. What is your ride or die piece of jewellery? What will you never give away? Ah, uh, my North Star, I think. I And like, I, I would be such a toss between, um, I have two diamond rings that are just, uh, oh, Melanie, this is impossible. I can't choose one. <laughs> I really tried. I had an answer. So my North Star, because it was the piece that I made for myself to find the road 
to remember to follow my my own path the path that I chose but equally I have my ring that Brian gave me that started that was a huge part of our journey that started Chupi and then I have a diamond ring called the crown of hope that I made for myself on our path to our daughter and those three I would save out of a burning building that that sounds that, that sounds fair. I think <laughs> yeah. you're allowed them. Definitely. Can you describe your work uniform for me? Oh, I love a good dress. A really good a good midi. Um I love Rixo. I'm totally obsessed with Doen, D O E N at the moment. They're like whimsical, um, frolicking through the fields for my super urban CEO life, them with a the blazer. Um yeah, I love a really good midi dress. I don't understand people who can commit to separates. You have to figure out what goes together. I'm like pants and a top and it's far too much com- complication I like a really good dress I throw on and I'm good to go are you still wearing lots of sequins I am fully committed to all of Excellent. the sequins I yeah no, I, I love a good sequin a sequin and a blazer a sequin dress and a blazer and you are in the best corporate smart smart casual corporate you're good to go anywhere and what's more if you're networking people re- will remember you I always remember exactly. Jenny Taft saying be the girl in the red or the pink dress oh, do never wear black Never, yeah. no one remembers the woman in black because we all hide in it. Yeah, bright things and things that bring you joy. I want to get dressed in the morning. I remember as a, a fashion designer uh, being in store and seeing people trying on my clothes and watching them twirl in front of the mirror and that smile you give yourself when you've put on a dress that just makes you feel like the best version of yourself. That's what I try and find in all of my clothes. I'm hard, hard work to shop for. Uh, books, podcasts, social media accounts. What do you follow or what do you relate to? Totally obsessed, obsessed with Dave McWilliams. Love his podcast. It's really, really good. I love Sarah Tasker, who is amazing. T A S K E R. She's this gorgeous um, British Instagrammer who has this really beautiful podcast on connecting. And Ooh. other than that, I am totally addicted to growth books. The books that make you grow, leadership books, start with why, being one of the best. Um, of course, you've read it, but it's one of the best um, on finding your why and why you want to do. So yeah, addicted, I have to say. Uh, otherwise, my TV is deeply trashy and embarrassing. I love Agatha Christie. <laughs> There's a new Agatha Christie movie out in a month and I am so here for it. <laughs> I can't wait for that. This is the new Death Part, on the Nile. Oh my God, Death on the Nile. Yeah. The costumes, the drama. I'm, I'm here for it. I can't Maybe deal with be, reality TV. It makes me sad. Maybe Chupi are going to have to host a premiere. Oh, I like it. Uh, entertaining for business, besides a premiere for Agatha Christie movie, uh, where or how do you like entertaining for business? Oh, I'm so excited! Like I literally cannot wait to bring back in-person events. We ca- like we're so looking forward. Intimate, I love intimate. I feel so often you end up in like I love big crowded rooms as well. It's such an exciting thing to get to do. I love. I haven't been to an image business woman. I saw the invite going out and I was like, oh my god, I will be there in sequence. I'm so excited to be in a big buzzy room. But when I think about entertaining for business what really brings me joy small intimate dinners where you have the chance to have those intimate conversations with people about changing the world because ultimately we're all looking for connection brilliant yes um any tips for mustering up energy on the days when you're exhausted um I think it's recognizing that uh, there's seasons on those days that you just um I'm really big into this idea of seasons that you have to recognize that today actually maybe you can't change the world today you're Mm. just going to get through and recognizing what your triggers are you know are you exhausted because you stayed up last night on a scroll hole on Instagram or TikTok you know what what are your pain points what's draining you figure out what happened before that you're exhausted today give yourself the grace to recover today and then don't do it again tomorrow that's a brilliant tip. I'm a huge believer in a pause day, by the yeah. way. I think everyone needs a pause day every so often. Um, when you're completely stumped and you don't know the solution, 
who do you turn to? I am incredibly lucky. I have an exceptional board. So Tupi has a really brilliant board of amazing people and I go to them when I'm stumped. But equally, I have an amazing network. Like I think, Melanie, you over the years, I've come to you and been like, ah, what is this, <laughs> this? And I think just asking for help when I was in my 20s felt really vulnerable. I felt like it was admitting failure. And now in my 30s and nearly my 40s, I'm very excited about 40. I'm planning a massive party. Um, just no pandem- pandemic would be great. Thanks so much. Um, but in my 30s, it felt like uh, just an honest I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what next. But yeah, I think of um, I have some amazing, amazing people who've been there for me. Well, then maybe I might get you to give us the last word then and maybe pass on a little nugget of wisdom that you may have learned from somebody else over the years. I think of um, when I think of women who've influenced my life, I think of, of going for growth of Paula Fitzsimons, who runs it, and then Bridget Donahue. And you need to hear, I, I won't do them justice, these words of George Bernard Shaw spoken by Breeze, and she ends every speech with them. And they're words that make me want to go and change the world. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Are they not oh, words that make you want to go change the world? <laughs> Absolutely. With diamonds on. With diamonds on. <laughs> Chupi, thank you for all your time today. It, it was so lovely to reconnect with you oh, and I can't amazing, wait to lovely. see you in real life again soon. I can't wait. Thanks so much for Thanks having me. Million. Bye. Bye. Again, huge, huge thanks to Chupi for all she shared with us today. I think really she has given us the most amazing blueprint to being a woman in business in these times. And thanks also to her wingwoman, Lee Kenny, for all her help in making this chat happen. Thanks also to Tall Tales Studios and the team at Image, Sophie Parr, Simone Kennedy and Bill O'Sullivan for all their help in producing today's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, One Nutrition, more details on which can be found on our hub at image.ie forward slash work Incidentally, that's also where you'll find previous episodes of this podcast, as well as on your usual podcast platforms. Again, we'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and or comment on what you've enjoyed. Looking forward to all that's ahead in 2022 and to having you with us for the great bits. 